honesty hour, I did not know what I was doing in regards to launching this podcast. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without Anchor. Anchor makes starting a podcast super, super easy and allows you to not only use their platform to distribute the podcast, but you can even go on your phone or computer and record and edit the podcast right on their platform. Best of all, it's totally, totally free. So if you're interested in starting a podcast, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hey, I am Q. I want to be the host for the Strange On Purpose podcast today. Recently, we branded. We're super excited. But today, we have Nicholas Kirchner, who's a complete badass. He's done work with Ty Lopez, and his agency recently got acquired. And he's now the president of Marvel Media. They do over a billion views each month. So I'm super excited to dive into his story, how he got to where he is today, and how to build a brand that is successful. Dude, I'm excited, man. I am too, actually. <laughs> this is good. We always have good talks. We do, even though we've only talked like, what, like five times? Yeah, but I mean, it's still a good combo. Well, wait, welcome to the show, bro. You're oh, part thanks. of the rebrand. I'm super, super excited. Yeah, I am too. I'm excited for more people to know about you because I just found out about you and about your story. I spent like all last weekend dissecting you. Everything you've done, I probably missed a bunch because you've done so much. You're 22 and you make me feel like I'm 25, dude. I feel like I haven't even started living. Oh, when stop, I, man. You're I appreciate you. You're incredible. I appreciate you. And I, I want to dive deep like into your story, like what you've done, how you've been able to do it. That's and I think neat. a good place for me to start just to like show people who you are, at least in my opinion, sure. your car, like drive, drives a Maserati, the license plate is dropout. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's not necessarily the car, it's the message that that sent. The first time I saw that, I'm like, damn, like to me, that's like, that's showing people that anything is possible. It's not the, it's not the school, it's not the resources, resources, it's the resourcefulness. Sure. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about like what, what led you to make that decision to not go to school or not continue going to school yeah for sure so for me uh the summer before i left for school i had been just getting into kind of self-development financial education so i started reading a lot of books um and uh so that summer i'd probably read like 20 books so like that's pretty much what i did and then uh, i went to one year of college summer as in like three months yeah yeah but then well it gets a little crazy so (laughs) Then I went to college, and um, within the first week, I remember calling my parents saying, I'm dropping out, I'm leaving, uh, within the first week. And um, mom was a little hesitant. She was like, just stick it out through the year. It's early on. You, don't, you haven't really experienced anything yet. And kind of the turning point for me, why I made that decision in the first week, is we went to, um, all the freshmen went to this major fair um, in the business school. So. There were these tables um, kind of just exploring what you wanted to do. It was like, okay, are you interested in finance, supply chain, sales, marketing, um, branding? Like, what are you interested in? And so I went there and these professors were standing behind their tables. There was all these materials laid on the tables, books, whatnot. And I'm not joking that 70% of these books I had already read or, or been reading. Um, And to me, that was like a smack in the face. And I asked, I was like, so when are you guys covering this material? And they were like, usually junior, senior year uh, classes were going through some of this. And I was thinking to myself, why would I wait three years to learn what I'm already learning on my own right now and already have learned? 
I was like, this kind of moves slow. Um, yeah. And at that time, I was like already interested in internet marketing. Um, I had started learning advertising, e-commerce, stuff like that. So um, I just saw there was no curriculum around that because I asked, you know, hey, how do you set this up? How do you do that to these professors? And they're like, oh, we don't, we don't have material that covers that. And um, that was kind of discouraging. And I was like, I'm going to just have to do this on my own. And um, yeah, I mean, largely it was because I thought it moved, moved slow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I didn't, didn't want it. <laughs> where did that drive to learn come from? Especially like 18, like 17, 18 years old. Yeah, like, I think did... honestly it started as a kid because I like in third grade, like I'd be reading like almanacs, encyclopedias. Um, I like playing chess back then. I was always like a very curious kid. Um, and I always wanted to know how things worked, why they worked the way they did and why they were the way they were. And so I think it got sparked from there. It just was never focused and applied to business. Yeah. Um, but just generally being a curious person, I think I knew that, uh, from just what I'd seen online from other people that, you know, this is where they started or this is what they knew. So I need to start learning what these successful people know yeah. and maybe things will change for me. That's fascinating. I remember the one of the first conversations we had. You, you said you'll never take advice from somebody that you wouldn't trade places with. True. Who are some of those people? Sure. So, um, in the beginning, for example, uh, a great mentor to me is Ty Lopez. Um, he's been uh, been great to me, and you know we we talk uh, a decent amount. But um, in the beginning, I would say it was him primarily i mean there's obviously a lot of online personalities yeah. personal brands that have great insight but it was him in the beginning um and i always clarify that saying you know wouldn't trade places with uh i know a lot of successful people who are absolutely miserable like with their personal life is in shambles or whatever so when i say that i always clarify that it's in whatever area of life I'm seeking advice from. Mm. So if it's in finances, then I'll trade places with Jeff Bezos or Ty or Grant Cardone or whoever else you might follow. But um, if it's in their personal life, I don't know a lot of personal details um, as most people keep that private. But yeah. um, if it was relationship advice, you know, I'd want someone who's been married for 40 years happy, you know, whatnot. You, I think you get the idea, but um, yeah. I love that, dude. I saw a video the other day and the guy was like complaining about, oh, there's a lot of bullshit out there, which yeah, there is like, totally. but like, it's also our job to like vet the bullshit and vet those people. And like, I don't, people don't spend enough time figuring out what they want and what they want their lives to look like. So I, I respect that. Yeah, totally. I think there, there is a lot of stuff out there, but, and I think it's a great, like everyone can put out content, everyone can do their thing. Everyone has the equal opportunity. But it's, um, you know, what's behind what you're saying yeah. um, that I think really, you know, shows all. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. Before I like dive into like everything that you've done since then, I do want to touch on one thing. Um, when you were a student, mm -hmm. I was listening to another podcast you were on and you talked about how you wrote, I forget the, like, the exact name of it, but essentially a paper. Um, you, were you were assigned to write a paper about why you love school and yeah. why you should be in school and you did the opposite. This is why I don't. This is why I'm going to drop out. And here's why you should do it too and go yep. follow your dreams. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like why and also what were some of those reasons that you outlined in that paper? For sure. Yeah. For sure. So like I said, I was I was reading a lot. I, I forgot to clarify, but like uh, those 20 books I had read, I actually upped the pace to a book a day throughout <laughs> my high school or my college, <laughs> my year. Um, 
and I would like often skip class and just read. But I, I was getting through a book a day and that largely gave me the confidence to leave. So just to backpedal a little bit. But um, for that paper, it was in my econ class. And sometimes I would find myself in this class um, and I'm not doing this as like a pat on the back, but like, you know, sometimes even the professor, like just from the personal finance books I'd been reading, um, would say things that were in, was incorrect material and I'd correct them. And they would be like, you're, you're actually right. You know, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Or like, you know, like I misspoke or something like that. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but this paper was in like the first few weeks of school. And it was like, you know, why are you excited to be in college? And why are you excited to be here because of the economic opportunities it's going to provide you in the future? And I was just like, well, I'm going to be frank. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. So I sat down to write this paper and I remember thinking like, okay, I could totally like this professor could hate me for the rest of the semester. I could get a horrible grade. And this paper was worth, I remember like 15% of the grade yeah. uh, for the semester, which was something. So I sat down and I'm like, okay, where do I want to be? And um, I was looking at guys like Larry Ellison from Oracle and, of course, all the iconic, you know, like Steve Jobs, Bezos, et cetera. And I took their net worth and I took the average college graduate's income mm -hmm. every year. And um, don't quote me on the math, but I remember dividing it out. I'm like, how many years would you have to work at that salary, assuming no expenses to have that net worth? And it came out to something ridiculous, like 150,000 years or something something ridiculous. Like I said, don't quote me on the map. Yeah. But um, so I put that figure in the paper and I was like, you know, if this is my vision and this is ultimately where I want to strive for, it's just not going to happen uh, here. Um, and it's not going to be because of what I learned here, but it's going to be because of what I do. And um, I also factored in like the whole debt uh, thing as well. You know, there's a lot of people here that are going into the hole for this. And, you know, I'm not bashing a college education for professions that require a college education. If that's what you're passionate about, that's what you want to do, do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was my reasoning mostly is that no matter what I did in college, it wasn't going to get me to where I wanted to be. And no one got to that level because they had a degree or not. Dude, respect, bro. Seriously, like. And let me add. <laughs> The professor gave me a perfect score on that paper for going against the grain, which I did value, you know, that they were open to other opinions. And some of my friends who like got C's on the paper who wrote it according to the instructions were kind of like, well, what the heck, you know? I want to keep going back to like, where does that come from? But like, dude, you serious? Like you're an anomaly, man. Like I, Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that, you. That's just so fascinating. Like there's a lot of like the whole job. Let's drop out. I didn't. I meet a lot of people that think that in order to be successful, you need to be a dropout. Mm -hmm. Or I also meet a lot of people in order to be successful, you need to go to school. And I like, it honestly doesn't matter. Like, who are you? No. Like, what are you going to do? Like, exactly. You are, you're an anomaly. And that's, that's, and I will say it's no less work. You know, people like think dropping out to like start a company, like, you know, oh, I've heard that story a few times. Um, but if you like are someone who likes to follow structure and like there are successful entrepreneurs that have went to school, mm -hmm. totally conscious of that but uh yeah it, it all depends on your style and um if you're going to do it on your own it's it's definitely not a, a walk in the park but if you have the you know the balls let's say to do it then then do it agreed so out of school what happens next because you've like 
you can give the backstory. You do it better than I. Like you, I think your company was just acquired. You're now the president and yep. co-owner yeah. of Margo Media, which I believe is the fastest growing company in Milwaukee. I don't think it's I the fastest. I won't be on the record for it. I think, okay, <laughs> I'm going to say it's the fastest growing company in Milwaukee. You guys do incredible work. Um, walk me through like what's happened since then. You're out of college. Like how do you then get to you now? Yeah, so I'm out of college. It's funny, I wasn't even really nervous of like dropping out. Like obviously I took a lot of flack from people, yeah. family members, whatever. I, f- I feel like that's fairly normal if you're going to go you know, against the grain like that. So that's not a new story. But I remember leaving and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I was really fascinated with advertising. I was really fascinated with e-commerce, really fascinated with how people were making money on the internet and really the whole ecosystem around it. So I started um, just going as deep as I could um, on my own accord, buying programs, reading books, uh, just analyzing, reverse engineering what the most successful people were doing um, and and went from there. But obviously I had to be on my feet, had to make some money. So um, it's something I don't talk about a lot, but my first job out of college, because I was like, got to make money. And, um, you know, I feel like I was always decent at uh, sales. I had little like side hustles in high school or whatever that I would do. Um, so I'd flip things or uh, customize Jordans or buy and resell them. I did all kinds of stuff. But um, I my first job was me making cold calls all day, eight hours a day. I'd probably make 50, 60 calls a day um, to business owners uh, selling fiber optic cables. Damn. And I'll tell you what, that is a grind. <laughs> Trying to explain how that is going to either decrease expenses or increase revenue for them as a direct result of your fiber optic cable, it's not an easy sell. So when I started selling uh, services that could make people more money, it was a walk in the park and I was used to rejection. I was used to being hung up on. I was used to people not wanting to hear what I had to say. And uh, that really gave me the grit to like, Anything else seemed easy in in the sales realm, right? So I started building uh, my business on the side after work. So it was a 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. job, one hour lunch. And then literally when I got home, I started working um, and worked till midnight one usually. And that was my grind. And um, I just remember hating that job so, so much that it was almost like it definitely helped me build my company faster than I would have if I wasn't in pain. Yeah. But I remember every day waking up just like, I got to get out of this. Like, I hate what I'm doing right now throughout the day. Yeah, it's developing me skill-wise, but just wasn't a good environment. Um, the management was really horrible. And now that I'm an entrepreneur and I manage people, I look back and realize actually how horrible it was yeah. from the other side as a manager. And um, yeah, but being in that place of pain does something good for you. And it really pushes you in the hours that you know you'd rather just relax but um do you ever go back and like reference that point all the time right? it's really weird even though there's no possibility of me ever going back there i still think of it from time to time and it totally motivates me even though it's not my reality um everything's so different now um financially business-wise whatever uh that's definitely a driver so i honestly think people if you leverage that pain that you were in at one point, I think you have a huge advantage. Yeah, no, I would agree, man. Why, like, like that is a lot of growth very, very fast. And what's going through your mind? Like, again, 
that first client. Like mm-hmm. maybe you just quit that job. You jump yeah. in full time. What's going through your mind as you're progressing, as you're getting to that acquisition? Right. I remember my first client that was like the biggest deal I'd ever done. And that was going to allow me to quit my job. Mm. Um, and that was going to pay me like four times like what I was making. Yeah. And um, I was just pumped. And I remember like going there, putting in my two weeks and I was like, I'm done. I'm out. And from there, it really just grows. Like once you get that first deal, you're just hungry for more. And it's total validation for like all the time that you were like up late. Like I'm not much of like a talker. I mean, a lot of people talk about like what they're going to do. Um, I usually tend to stay a little quieter because um, I think the value's in the work and it's like intrinsic. It's, yeah. it's, it doesn't matter what anyone else has to say about it. But um, yeah, I mean, it was just like a fire kind of and it and it grew from there. And I just remember like stacking client after client after client doing good work. People starting to talk about me in some of like Facebook groups around Facebook advertising, um, Internet marketing, um, and then, like, for example, got introduced to uh, Ty and met him at a conference. And then that kind of sparked. And, uh, yeah, things just grew rapidly. And then moving into me being acquired, I, I never thought it would happen so fast. Um, you know, I never went into business with this business with the intention of being acquired. But that's kind of the way it fell. And I couldn't be happier. You know, it's obviously a great thing. And yeah. it's, a, it's a big accomplishment. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, what was the work that you were doing? Um, so primarily it was Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat advertising, mm-hmm. um, did some email marketing, and then uh, e-commerce or lead generation sales funnels, basically. So selling products or generating leads for local businesses, online businesses, um, personal brands, all kinds of stuff like that. So, And that didn't evolve through the years? Um. You know, it did. It started off as just like social media management. Mm. And then I was like, okay, people don't just want to pay for me to post stuff for them because they're not seeing like the ROI immediately. And most people don't understand like building brand and whatnot. Mm. So I was like, I'm just going to do it like in a way that I have undeniable proof that I'm making people money. So for me, that was paid advertising. And I could show that, hey, you put a dollar in, I gave you four back in revenue. And that, you know, they love you forever. So you found something that worked and you leaned into it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just became an expert at that one thing. And uh, that's another thing to focus. I think a lot of people love to like try different things, um, which is okay if you're running like micro experiments within the same thing that you're doing. Uh, Like, for example, creating content if you're doing like one video style versus another. But Otherwise, people like launch 10 different side businesses inside of their like one company and then you lose focus and then everything fails. So um, I'm a big believer in diversification once you actually have a solid base that runs on its own. What does that solid base mean? Um, Whether that's a solid base of clients, um, one solid service that you're consistently delivering on, like it's it's rock solid. You know, you don't have to really do anything um, to... uh, Keep it going at a certain point if you have a team. Um, yeah, I would say that solid base. And then you can start experimenting a little more and just putting a little bit of your time, yeah. not all of your time. Because if you just take, take your eye off the ball, the one thing, the cash cow that's like making you the money, then you start uh, changing your attention and then nothing makes you money. I love and then that. you're like, how'd I fail? Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, 
I was, again, I was listening to one of your podcasts you were on um, and you mentioned you went in, it was like one of your first deals, maybe the first deal. Yep. Um, you pitched two hour meeting and you expected, um, if you could get anywhere from like 1.5 up, you'd be happy. Yep. And you ended up throwing out a number and that was 4,000. Obviously yep. like you're working on way, way bigger deals now, but yep. back then, like your first oh, deal, then, like, money, damn, man. like, damn, my life's changing. Like one, why did you throw out that number? Like what was going through your mind in that meeting? And two, how can someone know? Um, what to charge? Like, what are they worth? Mm-hmm. Are they worth that number? Like, yeah. How do you how do you know what you're worth? Right. So, um, in that meeting, yeah, I remember the whole meeting. I was just like, look, I'm just this is just going to be a um, another good client to add to the portfolio. I'm not trying to like come in here and lose the deal because I'm charging too much. So I just thought it was going to be like routine, you know, not routine, but you get what I mean. Yeah. And so. At the end of this two-hour meeting, I remember he's just like, so how much is all this going to cost? And I could tell they were kind of impressed with, you know, what I was laying down. And, um, yeah, I was just like, it's going to be four grand a month. But I remember five seconds before that when he started rolling that sentence off the tongue, I was like, all right, it's 1.5. Like, that's the number. (laughs) And then literally when the pause happened and it was like my turn, I just spit out like four grand. And um, he just looked at me. He was like, all right, done. And I was like whoa, like I thought I could only charge like 1500 bucks for this. And I just sold it for four grand a month. And like you said, back then that was, that was money. Um, and that was like, that was good. <laughs> so uh, how do you know what you should charge? Uh, I'm a big believer in it's uh, what you think you're worth, but I'm not going to say, I know a lot of people say, you know, charge whatever you're worth. And it's like, okay, to an extent, because otherwise you price yourself out of the market. And also someone has to be getting value. Like if I charge 10 grand a month, it's because I know I can make them 40 or 50 grand a month. And that just scales from there. But it's like, I'm not a believer in like overcharging for something when I know it's not going to be like of that much value to them. Because the reality is if you're good at sales and you're good at relationships and you're good at marketing, you can push a lot of crap into people's lives actually. And I see it all the time with products and like, you know, the most persuasive copywriting and like good offers and like all this other manufactured stuff online. And um, so no, it's a powerful tool to get what you're worth. But also, if you're like, if it's disproportionate, and you're charging too much, or you're not being ethical about it, like truth comes out, you know, like eventually it'll it'll catch up. How'd you get so good at sales? Besides it being natural for you? banging on the phones uh, 60 times a day. Um, I think confidence goes a long way. Just convey, being able to look someone in the eyes and knowing you can give them a result and actually yeah. mean it because you're kind of rooted in what you've done uh, proof-wise. I think that goes a long way. Um, you said something before. You said, um, I can sell. I won't I won't sell anything that I don't believe in. Like, I believe in what I'm delivering. I believe yes. in the results. Yeah. I love that, dude. Yeah. Like, um, one of my friends, I just made a video on this. One of my friends, um, musician for a very, very long time. And he said, entrepreneurship is just like being an entrepreneur, just like being a musician. Like you don't really get into it. Yeah, I want to be rich, blah, blah, blah. You get into it because you have a love for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you don't expect people to support you. You don't expect people sure. to follow you. You don't expect the subscriptions and the, um, the purchases like you work for it. And you believe in what you're producing. You're buying into your talent and into you. You're not buying into just popularity. Right. What's, what's working. So totally. thousand percent. Like 
I agree. Like you have to have to believe in what you're selling. Oh yeah. Cause otherwise people can smell it. Yeah. Like you might be able to fool some people not winning, but if you're going to walk into a fortune 500 boardroom and you're going to tell them you can do something like they can smell you from a mile away if you're full of it. Talk to me about that. So the, the billion dollar, the billion dollar deal, dude, I literally, I listened to every single podcast you were on, um, the billion dollar deal or billion dollar company um, that you approach your friend connected you to. And then, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah <go ahead. laughs> so the early on you're saying, yeah. right? Yeah. So I remember kind of, this was my first big like kick in the mouth of like, wow, I'm like a really small fish. And, um, Believe it or not, it was actually uh, a company like that has an office here in Milwaukee, mm. and it was one of my friends um, who got me connected, or at least got me to send him a proposal um, in their hands and have a conversation. And um, I remember checking back with the person that referred me, and I was like, "Hey, I haven't heard back. Did like they say anything to you?" And uh, I remember them saying or him telling me like. Yeah, they basically said they think you like don't know what you're doing and uh, you've never worked with a company their size before, so there's no way they would do business with you. And I was just like, sweet. <laughs> I, was awesome. like, I was like, okay, well, you know, that's like definitely a big swing and a miss. And I mean, early on when you don't have that many wins, like it takes a, like that hits yeah. you pretty hard because it's like, shit, maybe I'm not like cut out for... For this maybe like I can't break into it but it's just like the small consistent wins I think over time and then when it's time to go to a bigger company like that uh, you know you have a, a leg to stand on so I was just early yeah. um, I was naive I didn't really know um, you know how do we approach them now maybe but at the same time uh, I don't really know if I'd care to do business with them <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Do you think people should go to the top and work their way down? Or do you think people should start from the bottom and work their way up? Um, I think a good mix, right? Because yeah. just in, uh, even at Margle, for example, you know, we have the smaller companies that are consistent base hits that build that good base that yeah. I'm telling you about. But then we also have huge companies, Fortune 5, Fortune 100, Fortune 10 that mm -hmm. we're going after, that the sales cycle is six months, a year, two years, even longer. And it's like, you can't build a sustainable business on home runs. You need to build it on base hits. And then when the home run comes, it's, it feels great. Yeah. But I think people are like betting on like one thing, like the Hail Mary that it comes in. And I just don't think that's a good way to do it. So a mix of both, but play your cards right. Um, cash flow is king. That it is, dude. My first startup was a VR startup. Um, and I literally, all I was focusing on was how can I make money in five years? Five years, what am I going to do right now? Yeah. Like I failed in six months, man. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of people, like Margle's VC funded, there's a lot of people out there raising capital, yeah. but I think where they're going wrong is they're raising capital with the expectation that, oh, we're out of cash, let's just raise another round. Yeah. And it's like, okay, when we run out of money and close this one, we'll just raise another 100 million or, or what have you. And um, not only is your reputation trash, but... Also, I think you make really dumb operating decisions. Yeah. You know, we now need a $4,000 espresso machine instead of, you know, a $30 coffee pot because we're playing with someone else's money and we don't have to really be accountable for it.
Dude, and that's why I love that you like just completely from the ground up just bootstrapped your entire company. Because mm-hmm. um, that's again, that's what we're doing, and like you, you feel the stress, right? Like it's it's your money. Like fuck, like I've gotta I've gotta pay for their th- for their meal today. Like I've gotta do that. Like yep. fuck, if I don't close this deal right now, like shit, like this is my company. Like All I right. respect that so much. Nothing wrong with taking taking money. Of course, it's huge, but, but here's the thing: um, you know, investment money runs out at a certain point. You know, the training wheels come off. Um, not the VC money is training wheels, but, um, I mean, you definitely have money to buy like more than you need in some cases, whether that's software, whether that's equipment, whether that's what uh, employees, whether that's whatever, I mean, that happens, you know, and there is a learning curve to it, but when it's your own money, you have to be much more calculated. Um, so. No, it's fascinating. So I want to go back um, to like your early life. Um, I think, I don't know the exact age, but you were younger, um, just diving into the world of entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and you discovered Thai. Um, I want to know like then compared to now, now that you're friends and you're mm-hmm. working together, like what what's that like for you? Initially, what was that sure. like for you? So I was 17. I remember laying on my parents' bedroom or uh, living room floor and um, I had a yellow legal notepad in front of me and... Um, he would do like three hour live seminars, uh, you know, online and literally every day I would lay down, uh, or sit (laughs) and take all the notes I could. And I didn't even have a business to apply this stuff to. I was just like, I just need to learn everything I can from this guy. And, um, that was that. And I didn't have money for any like paid programs back then. I'd ask my parents, obviously they like couldn't give me the money to do it. So I just took notes religiously and um, that was, you know, my, my learning. And then, you know, going to meet him for the first time, that was great. Uh, and then him inviting me to be an instructor in his marketing programs, you know, teach 25, 30,000 students um, on online advertising within those. And uh, yeah, now that I've, you know, go there fairly regularly, um, pretty involved in his content and uh dude you're so chill man (laughs) that 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 like realization though that i went from and i remember like typing in the chat box like on youtube live or whatever Mm. and like he'd ask a question he's like who knows this or who's heard of this or like you know what are your thoughts here and i'd put it in there and there'd just be like tens of thousands of people commenting and i was like always waiting for like my line to like get picked and he'd read it and like hopefully like you know, he'd notice. Yeah. And um, going from that to where I am now has been a crazy, like, just reflection for me. Yeah. That, like, you can go from being an outsider and, like, feeling like you, like, can't push forward or it's really hard to push forward to momentum and then achieving something and then going to the next thing. How did you end up getting connected? So we met at an event. Okay. Um, I saw him speak and I just went up there, told him what I was up to, uh, told him I'd been following him for a while. Um, I got a picture, you know, put me on a social, whatever. And then uh, it was actually at an, the second time I met him at another event that, um, you know, I told him where I was at and he invited me to come speak at his place and uh, teach in his programs. And it's been several times now. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, man. It is. And remind them, how old are you? 22. What's next? Um, well, like you said, I just got acquired. So now I'm president co-owner at Margol. And um, really, I see us in this next year. We're 
kind of we're still our ad agency model. Yeah. But we're also launching our own physical products within that. So we're the engine that makes brands cool. So it kind of makes sense for us to introduce our own products because we have insight into what's trending, what people are selling, what kind of returns they're seeing. We have a lot of data, a lot of data that we can leverage. So um, we're actually launching a, a CBD brand here this month. And uh, we went from idea concept on January 1 to we're launching January 31st. Um, so moving at kind of lightning speed as far That's as incredible. like, yeah, uh, manufacturing and labeling and insurance and payment processing and all kinds of weird, weird things in that industry. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to start putting things through the engine kind of that we have uh, through content and paid ads. And um, yeah, we'll see where those go. Really, I mean, we're looking to test about 10 different brands this year, create 10 different brands. And if two hit, that makes up for the other eight losses. And uh, that'll be fine. But it's really cool because with an ad agency, and you guys probably have this for video too, is like companies have branding guidelines. Companies have like a certain message they want to put out. And we're entirely in the driver's seat for that. Uh, for this so we can get creative we can get cool our employees all have input into like what the brand should be what we should put out different marketing angles what's edgy and uh yeah i really enjoy that and i think um our employees do too yeah i'm obsessed with like culture and something that we like super super intentional about now like what does that look like when you say our employees are involved in that like what is like physically, what does that look like? Sure. So like the other day we got our label, our first label concept back and um, pulled it up on my phone. I walked around to literally every employee in the office, which <laughs> we awesome. have about 30, uh, yeah, about 30. And um, I just said, what do you like? What do you hate? What would you change if you were doing this? And I asked the same questions to all 30 people. And A, they value having a say. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super important um, because our best ideas don't always come from like management. Yeah. And I actually just recorded a bit on this, um, how like I encourage like people to bring ideas to the table and if they fail or they're like not good, like that's where you see innovation um, when people do bring ideas to the table. Yeah. So I went around, um, compiled all their feedback, decided on a few like end changes that we would make and uh, you know, submitted it back for revision. And so everyone had a say in that, you know, that's awesome. It means you have a safe culture. I'm reading the culture code right now, and like that's that's one of the biggest things that they've outlined. They dissected like anywhere from like Navy SEALs to San Antonio Spurs to kindergartners and like building towers, right? Like any successful culture, also the bad cultures, and that's safety. People yeah. feel like they can uh, yeah. bring ideas. Yeah, and I and I tell them that all the time. And even as a leader, if we're like trying something, whether that's for a client campaign because mm-hmm. we're trying to push the boundaries and get the best result. And it flops and they're like, crap, like I'm on the hot seat. Like, I don't want to be like fired for this. I don't want to like be reprimanded for it. And I don't like as a leader, it's your job to eat that loss and like be the guy saying like, I stuck my neck out and I'm the one that sucked at it, not the employee. And I think that's really important uh, to be able to do. And then, but it's the same way when you win, right? Then you're like, we all won as a team. And um, I don't have all the good ideas. I probably have like 1% of like good ideas, like one out of 100. Like I guarantee the other people have like the other 99. So I think it's a mistake if you always think that 
like from the top down, like decisions should be made. Agreed. I forget who it is, but um, maybe it was Google actually when they were creating their search engine, um, competing with everyone else and something was broken and no one could figure it out. And the guy just takes a post-it note and he says, this, this sucks, sticks it on there. And some dude just takes it home, works on it for like weeks and solves the problem. Yeah. They blow up. Yeah. Like safety, man. Yeah. So, I love that. Exactly. Like welcoming failure. What would you say goes into building a successful brand? Um, I would say get your messaging right. Um, Who are you serving? It's funny on Shark Tank. Well, who's your market? Everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, really? Uh, Nice. If we can capture just 1% of the market, we're going to be a billion dollar company. And it's like, okay. (laughs) But um, definitely content, which you guys are masters at content. Um, you know, we produce content for brands and, um, just the frequency. I think a lot of people don't put out enough. Yeah. I think it's like a, Oh, social media. That's like a, something we should post on like once a week, right. To like help get awareness. And it's so much more than that. And, um, even awareness, it's how do you leverage the attention you have and actually see an ROI from it. And even at like with bigger brands, you know, we've worked with big brands and they still want to see where the dollars and cents are unless you're Coca-Cola and you know, you have a billion dollar a year marketing budget to just blow on whatever. But the reality is for most businesses, they don't have that. And especially if you're a startup, you don't have that. But um, I would say content and then leveraging that content in a paid social environment that you can see what you're getting as a result and tweak and adjust from there. Um, So messaging, content, leveraging the content correctly. Um, Also customer service. Uh, We have clients that have a poor customer experience and people do not forget how you made them feel or how a brand made them feel. And they will definitely not forget it when they see an ad and they're gonna comment on it and tag everyone that they know don't buy this product because I see it all the time. (laughs) You know, even people that we work with. So be cognizant of that and provide a good customer experience. I think it's interesting to what Amazon has done for the whole e-commerce space in setting the absolute standard for customer mm-hmm. experience, whether that's shipping times, whether that's how your website's laid out, uh, whether that's uh, support. I mean, Am- I, like I talk to Amazon sellers and like if they get like a few bad reviews, like Amazon will just say, bye, you're never selling with us again. And because they value that and they call themselves the most customer centric company for a reason. And I think that is huge because they'll be your biggest advocate. Um, you know, you want like a starving crowd that whenever you release something new, yeah. they can't wait to get their hands on it. Okay. And, that, and that's not just for big brands to take part in. I mean, there's personal brands that, you know, if someone puts out some type of um, offer or recommends something, like that's why influencer marketing and affiliate marketing is so, like it works mm-hmm. because people are bought into them and then whatever they push, it must be good. I like that. If you could only do one thing, and sorry, I'm kind of going rapid fire here, but if you could only do one thing in terms of generating leads, what would that one thing be for you? And then what would you advise others to do that are maybe just getting started? Mm, if you're just getting started, um, get on the phone, knock doors. Um, it's old school. People hate doing it. They think there's an easier way. And I'm telling you, you just need to get your teeth kicked in. It will help you so much just talking to people. I think people are always like, well, how can I have this like ninja way of like generating unlimited leads online and I don't have to talk to anyone? 
I don't have to do anything like people do business with people. And especially when you're just starting out, you have no credibility to leverage in an online environment that will get you leads um, immediately. If you're like, how do I close a deal like now? That's my recommendation. If you want to know how to close a deal six months from now uh, or a year from now, um, it's going to take time to build brand through content. It's going to take time to be recognized as an expert in Facebook groups or uh, whatever you're doing. It's going to take time. There's no shortcut for that. And I think people all often uh, say, oh, well, I can't sell anything because you, you didn't you didn't try. Um, so and that's what you did initially, right? Oh, for yeah. the most part. Like, oh, yeah. yeah I got on the phone. Com- yeah. Yeah. I got on the phone. Got and it's kick, uncomfortable. Got your teeth kicked it. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it was still easier than selling fiber optic cable. <laughs> but, like, that's what I did. And I, when I got paid, I was like, hey, instead of making... Because I used to calculate at my sales job. Yeah. I was like, okay, this company is making this much on this sale. What piece of this am I getting? And it was, like, always, like, less than a tenth of a percent. Gosh. And I was, like, no joke. And I was like, yeah, this is ridiculous. So when I was making calls... And I was getting paid. I was like, this isn't that bad. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then like referrals start coming in if you do good work. And it gets easier. But I always say like in the beginning, you're pushing a massive stone up a hill. Mm. Like that's the whole thing. And then once you get it to the top, it starts to roll down and you have momentum and it gets easier. But you have to get through that initial yeah. like it's not that fun. <laughs> what would you say was that moment for you when it started to roll downhill? Um. Or has it? Uh, well, it depends. Like as far as like overall goals, I still think I'm very much pushing it uphill. In terms of like my first company, I definitely say it. It like crossed that once I had like maybe five, seven clients, yeah. and they all started telling me two people, you know, that would be interested or whatnot, and I started hitting them up, and I'd close a few of those, and then it was like it became easier. Um, I didn't really have to prospect as much. Um, and also because I was bootstrapping, um, like unlike here at Margot, when we have a huge team, um, I didn't have that kind of leverage in terms of people. So because I was still doing some of the things in my business, um, I couldn't delegate everything and keep focusing on selling, selling, selling. So I could have scaled faster, but, um, that's it. You know, is that weird for you now having those employees? I mean, you had a team before, right? Yeah. 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 But it wasn't huge. Yeah. You know, and you were still doing a lot of the work. Um, I was like overseeing, but I would still be involved if like there were things that I hadn't trained someone else how to do. What are the differences for you now versus then? Um, Now it's just I I just think of more people as more leverage. Right. I can get more done in a shorter time. So um, it's been a big change. I don't really uh, do a lot of the day to day um, oversight of campaigns anymore. Um, I do more on the strategy side, um, but I still do kind of miss it. So I do have a few campaigns of my own, like <laughs> throughout different ad accounts that uh, I'm in. And that's fun for me. But um, it's definitely changed quite a bit because now you have, you know, 30 people that, you know, can sell or can do graphic design or can run campaigns or source product or whatever. It's it's quite a big change. So I think once you hit that certain point and you have a lot of processes in place, you can really kind of go at light speed because there's nothing, you know, nothing stopping you really. Yeah. Yeah. From the, so from the outside looking in, um, and I, I basically just met you. I know you knowledge, right? Like 
read, consume, um, knowledge is power for you. How, actually, let's do this. Like, what's one book mm-hmm. or one piece of content or one, whatever it is that you would recommend or would you say had the most impact on you? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I think I would start by saying, like, I'm very much a lifelong learner and mm-hmm. I love it. But I'll tell you what, I never made money from watching a YouTube video. Mm-hmm. I never made money from um, even listening to a podcast like we're mm-hmm. doing right now. And it's all good and it, you need to do it, but it's the action. You know, there's, there's nothing that can replace that. No amount of learning. And you can say, hey, I'm reading a book a day. But if five years later, you're still in the same spot, like everyone that like saw you like reading all like it's like time tells all like so don't mistake learning with progress like learning is progress but yeah like people count it as work and i just i don't count it as work i think it's like a different category because you have to apply it to see any type of result you know no one became the richest or had the most impact just because they knew something i dig because what they did with it you know yeah all about what you do with it what's your favorite book uh favorite book or most impactful for you? Mm, that's hard. <laughs> that's really, you know, I've only read like I'm a like, thousand I'm years. like trying to go through like the flip, like <laughs> flipping through like the books and I'm like, what had the biggest impact? Um, probably How to Win Friends and Influence mm-hmm. People by Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Why? Um, that was one of the first books I read just on uh, negotiating, getting people to like me. Uh, getting people to talk with me in an open way, um, how to just come across professional and, uh, you know, how to just be a, like a good person or like that's not the book that taught me how to be a good person, but it definitely in context to business and sales um, and building relationships, I would say that's the first thing. I think if you can build relationships and uh, continue to learn, that's really all you need. Agreed, man. That's thousand percent that's the only reason my company is where it's at because yeah. relationships and continue to learn man. yeah and here's the thing too like even in an internet economy like we live in it's still a person on the other end of the screen pulling out a credit card it's mm. just i'm not in front of you swiping a card in my pos system people treat social people treat the internet technology like it's this weird thing and it's it's an extension like there is no irl and there's no online it's just life dude like it's just an extension yeah and i go really deep into psychology too and like what like the things that we're born with in our head like when we first came onto this Mm -hmm. earth and it's like why do we make decisions why do we buy things why do we steer away from certain things and i think understanding what drives human behavior is another big thing um that i would attribute my success to so far um so any books on psychology evolutionary psychology um marketing psychology it's all it's all good stuff what are some things that you would say you've learned from those books that have that have helped you Mm -hmm. um so i like to um whenever i'm looking at a campaign or anything in general um are other people doing it because people like to understand that they're not the only person doing this thing because our brains are kind of trained to steer away from things that could be harmful or dangerous to us but if we see other people doing it and they're not being harmed must be okay Um, A great example is the McDonald's sign. It says billions and billions served. Well, I'm looking at it. Okay, if billions of people have eaten McDonald's, it must be okay for me too. Um, Same if you're looking at a Facebook ad. I I guarantee you've clicked on more ads that have 30,000 likes 
than one with zero likes or zero comments or zero shares. Um, you know, so social proof, that's a big one. Um, authority, we have uh, something called like authority bias where it's why we naturally obey police officers. It's why we respect managers. It's why doctors have credibility in what they're saying. Obviously mm -hmm. there's an education behind it, but it's why we listen to them because it's a perception that they know more than we do or they are the authority in that space. So we're kind of trained to do that. And I think people fail to realize that we have the same brain we did 3,000 years ago. We're just in a different environment. That's it. Yeah. Like we still make the same decisions for the same reasons. And I think we always will until we get chips implanted in our head and AI makes decisions. Yes. That's about it. Yeah. That's the only way I see us changing how we make decisions based on chemicals in our brain. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. I know this isn't like directly related, but I was I'm a big sociology psychology guy as well. Um, I was listening to a book this morning, and it referenced a study. I don't remember when it was done, like maybe in the 70s, but they took two groups of students. Um, one special kids, right? You're going to go to Harvard. You're going to be amazing. You're going to be a billionaire. And then the average kids um, paired them up with different teachers throughout the year. At the end of the year, the special kids and the teachers both felt, wow, that was the best year ever. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, we're going to accomplish so much. Wow. We feel so fulfilled and vice versa for the other group, the average group. And then at the end, they announced that it was just complete bullshit. Like it was just the story that they fed them. Like, yep. yo, you're going to be special. Believe that. And yeah. if there's a story behind it, which is why I'm so obsessed with like storytelling, because you can sell anything with it, dude. You can. People are so simple. You know how they work. You, can, I mean, it sounds bad, but you can. And if you notice all the movies that good movies that have ever been made, they follow the same track. Mm. There's a hero. There's a special character. You know, the, the hero struggle, you know, the, their journey to get there. And then, you know, the challenge, like the like the moment that's like, you know, everything's ended for them. And then it turns around and then you have the climax and then, you know, it's victory and then it like continues on. It's like very interesting that we keep watching movies when we can, we know the storyline that it's going to go on because we're just wired to like that. Mm -hmm. But it's the same movie, just a different it's story. incredible, dude. Yeah, it's same so structure. Interesting. Another thing on psych, uh, I forget what study it was. I think it was from an ex-FBI negotiator, okay. um, but he was just saying how... Um, a, a positive frame of mind, um, you're 31% smarter, sharper, and your abilities are heightened 31% just if you are in a positive frame of mind. So I'm huge on that. Positivity, happiness. Um, what do you think that is? Um, I think just, I think it's just chemicals mm. in your brain. You know, if like you're in a good state, you have momentum. Um, I am a big believer in momentum and I think there's something to it that we might not be able to see. Um, if a lot of good things are happening, for me, at least more good things continue to happen, typically. Um, if bad things are happening and you're dwelling in that, I find that uh, more negative things happen, or maybe you just view small things as negative things. Yeah. Um, so, How do you frame that positive, um, that positive mindset when negative things are happening? There's very few things I would consider problems mm. in my life. I don't even... I can't really think of a problem right now. Are there annoyances? Yeah, but they're too, for me, they're two totally different things. A problem, like I didn't have to walk five miles for a bucket of water this morning or the well didn't dry up. Like I had coffee, I had water, um, like everything I need to survive 
is right in front of me. Even if like my car got a flat tire, like that's an annoyance. I like that is not a problem. I mean, like, you know, I think people even like if they're stuck in traffic, like you see the frustration on people's faces and it's like, do you not realize what situation you're in right now? You just are leaving a job that actually makes you money so you can provide for your family or whatever you're using it for. Um, and you're driving an automobile. And if you just contrast it from what most people have, it's hard to not be happy. Mm. Like I'm always stoked. I'm always really happy. And I think that's huge. That's awesome. Yeah. What, um, what's next? What's next? You talked about how, um, if you were comparing it like now in terms of your first company, you'd still, you'd be rolling down the hill. Mm-hmm. Overall, like grand scheme, life plan, like you'd still be pushing it up. What's next? Um, well, after uh, Margle, I don't know what, what, when that is or um, if it's a thing, but um, I'd really like to get into uh, sustainable energy of some kind or uh, tech of some kind that really will propel me to a spot where it can be sold to or impact uh, billions, whether it's selling a product uh, or whether it's a technology that at least a billion people use. Um, I think I've reverse engineered where I want to be down to that. If I can help that many people, then I'll be where I want to be. So um, very much grand scheme, like I'm still at the bottom of the hill. Um, feel like I haven't really started pushing the stone yet. So I like th- that. there's a lot ahead. I like that. There's a lot. And lastly, like going back to you when you're, you have that, that pad and you're watching Ty, um, there's a lot of people in that position. A lot of people just getting started, mm-hmm. whether they're pivoting and trying something new or legit just getting started. What would you say to those people? Yeah, I get a, I get a lot of messages, um, specifically on Instagram of people wanting to change where they're at right now. And I just can't stress enough that um, it always gets better and commit to one thing and actually do the work required. There's no silver bullets. No matter what someone is trying to sell you, there is no replacement for the work. Like it takes being alone for 16 hours a day sometimes. I'm not saying all the time, but you'll have periods where you're like, I'm not making any progress, but people just quit too soon. Like, I think with the glamorized like state of entrepreneurship and what we do, people just expect that their company is going to be like a unicorn company and make a billion dollars. And like, who said this was easy ever? Like, it's supposed to be hard. And when people give up too soon um, or keep changing what they're trying to do because one thing didn't work after a month or five months, or 12 months, or even two years, like, it takes time. And no matter where you're at, um, you just got to keep going if you really want it. Like, and also, like, having the awareness that it might not be for you is so big, too. You know, I know Gary Vee always says, like, uh, maybe you're the number four at Facebook versus the number one person at Facebook. And, uh, you know, Sheryl Sandberg, being number two or, you know, whatever number in the hierarchy, she's still a billionaire. And so you like, I think it's just like in a, such a state of glamor that everyone has to be CEO. Everyone has to be that. And it's like, that's probably putting a damper 
on your happiness and where you could be if you realize that. But for uh, if you really feel that you're an entrepreneur and you're going to be committed to it, then you got to pay the price. Yeah. Dude, respect, bro. I dig that. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. thanks, man. I don't know how long appreciate it's been, it. but probably like five hours. I appreciate you, dude. Yeah, no, I appreciate you, man. Question life. I always do that. I don't know. I always fist bump people. Hey, that's okay. Model. I appreciate you, dude. Yeah, same, sure. dude. And I'm like...